So we're in this uh, theme of the songbook, looking at the, um, the book of Psalms, so you guys have seen them as songs. So first of all, let's have a wee think about songs. Well, songs have a very special place in our lives, don't they? Um, sometimes we can make the perfect playlist or we have the perfect song or favorite song, um, and it can kind of link us to different times in our life. Like for example, today when the sun is shining and it's really hot, it's really lovely, we probably have the perfect songs to, to play in our car. We have our windows down, the sun shining through, we have those songs that we want to play. Or who of us, now don't put your hand up, don't worry, I won't embarrass you, but who of us have got the perfect playlist for when we just need a good cry, when you just feel like the songs that can really resonate with how you are feeling in those moments. And then we have songs for specific moments, like for example, going on a journey. Um, you've got the rhymes and the songs that you sing uh, in the car or in the bus on the way to somewhere special. All the songs I can think of are when we are going on our way to the GB weekend, so the different rhymes about the cookie jar, you know, who, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar, all those types of things. So they're kind of specific to that time. And then about sort of mid-November or maybe even early November now, the different radio stations are kind of trying to see who's going to be the first one to play Mariah Carey and to find out what she wants for Christmas this year. And then we have those songs that seem to express exactly how we're feeling and to put into words what's happening inside our heads. Those songwriters who really seem to know what's going on in our lives. Like, for example, how is it that pop superstar Taylor Swift knows all the anxious thoughts in my head and is able to put them in multiple different songs? How is that possible? Um, and yet, those songs can kind of tell us exactly how we are feeling or put it into words that we could never actually formulate ourselves. And I guess that's kind of what we want to do over uh, the next couple of months, and especially tonight. We want to look at this book of Psalms. We want this to be the songs that we reach for in those times we want to be joyful, in those times when maybe we want to lament, or when those anxious thoughts seem to want to take over. Those Psalms that can really express how we feel, even if we didn't know it, or we didn't know the words that we could actually use. And those songs that we listen to on the radio and on Spotify, they're great, but they can only take us so far. What we want is the psalms, these songs that can do so much more for us. They can express what we want to say to God, and most importantly, they can point us back to God and back to the truth that we need. So as we approach this psalm this evening, Psalm 121, my hope and prayer is that, we, that this can be a psalm that we reach for um, and that will give us truth that we can hold on to. So will you join me now? Let's look up Psalm 121. Um, I'm not too sure what page number it is uh, with the Pew Bibles, but I'll give you a little moment. Just go halfway, and then you should be able to be in the Psalms somewhere. So ha Psalm 121, it's up on the screen too, if you want to follow. It says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Let's take a moment and just pray. 
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have these psalms available to us that we can use to help build us up in our faith, to help express how we are feeling and to point us back to you and your truth. And God, tonight we ask that you would speak through this psalm. May it be these words that we can take into the week ahead. Plant this truth deep down inside of us. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening and we are ready to hear from you. Amen. Okay, so just to give um, a brief kind of context as we start, because we're sort of jumping about lots of different psalms. Um, Psalm 121 is in the section of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, which probably doesn't mean a lot to you when I say it like that. Um, But basically they were used um, by the Jews as they were going on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So it's a song to keep them focused while they're on this long journey and also to give them comfort as they are traveling. So as this evening, when we're looking at it, that can kind of be the context that you're thinking about it uh, originally, but also you maybe want to think about your own context of your life journey, your faith journey, that might be helpful as well. And specifically, the times when we cry out and we ask, where is our help from? And tonight we're going to focus on the imagery and the idea of God as our helper, as our keeper, constant companion, and we'll see that throughout the psalm. So the way that we're going to do it is we're going to take um, the pairing, so the first two verses and the next two and so on. So we'll kind of look at those and see what exactly is God wanting to speak to us in that. So if you want to keep your Bible open, uh, that may be best. Um, Hopefully it won't be too teachery. I know I said I was a teacher, but I think it's kind of helpful to have it with you and you can have a little look as we go down through it. So we'll start off with our first two verses and I'll just read them again um, just to kind of help us remember what they are. So I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Seems already the psalmist is starting off with a really important question here. Where does our help, where does our security, where does our strength come from? And as I said, the context for this psalm, uh, we might assume the psalmist is looking up on the way to Jerusalem, on this way to the pilgrimage. So could they be looking up maybe scared because of the unknowns on the journey ahead, or maybe because of the well-known dangers as they're going through different places. Will there be robbers? Will there be different people there? Who knows? So it could be an anxious, scared gaze as they look up, questioning where they're going to find help. Or perhaps, actually, it's more of a longing gaze as they look up to the hills and to the mountains. Um, So some people have suggested, a lot of people here, a lot smarter than me, have suggested that um, first one could be a bit of like a statement and then a question. So we've got the statement, I lift my eyes up to the hills, and then the question, where does my help come from? And that phrase about lifting your eyes up, um, in Hebrew it actually just sort of means looking longingly or with desire. So maybe actually the psalmist here is looking up, desiring, longing for God, the one who made all things, including the mountains, including the hills. And as they ask their question, they're being reminded of that. So by looking up at the hills, they're reminded that actually this same God who made all those things is also there to help them. 
a visual reminder that God is creator and God is ruler above all. It's almost kind of like looking through a camera lens. You've taken a photo of something. And as you, it might seem really big uh, when you start to look at it through the camera. And as you start to zoom out, you kind of see that actually in context of everything else around it, it wasn't actually that big at all. And so already this psalmist is kind of doing that. Yes, those mountains look big, but as they kind of back out a little bit, zoom out, they see the God who's creator, who created those things who is bigger and more powerful than any of those things. Maybe for you, you're thinking of the different problems that you're facing in life, and they seem really big. They seem like big mountains or big hills. But as we start to zoom out, we can actually see how big God is, how powerful he is. Our help doesn't come from the mountains, but from the one who created them. And when we're faced with these difficulties of life, we can be encouraged to hold on to the truth that our help is from the one who made all things, the all-powerful, all-creative God. And we're going to see that more as we go down through the psalm. So let's look at verse 3 and verse 4. It says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So you might have noticed already it's kind of changing the person who's talking. So in the first two verses, we've got in the first person, uh, and now it's kind of changed a little bit. So is it that, you know, the psalmist is calling this out in verse 1 and 2, and as they're doing that on this pilgrimage, on this journey, the people around them um, are able to give this answer, to give this truth to help them? So it's a call for help and then a response of reassurance from others. Which kind of brings us to a question. When we know someone who is crying out for help, how do we answer? Are we able to point them to God and to the truth of who God is, like is happening here in the psalm? As I said already, um, yep, I'm a secondary school teacher. Uh, I teach lots of different subjects, which would take far too long for me to kind of say tonight. But one of the subjects I do teach is RE, and I have classes that are GCSE exams and classes that they don't do a GCSE in. So there's a bit more of a free reign. We can just kind of do whatever I kind of want to do in those days. Um, And at the moment, we've been looking through different books that we have. So we've got these um, small books that are about different people and their journeys of faith. So people like um, Mother Teresa, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., a guy called Nicky Cruz, who was part of the gangs in New York and then converted and became a Christian. So really interesting stuff. And they're made really well so that they keep the attention of 15-year-olds. And if you know 15-year-olds, it's quite tricky to do that. So these books do, so that's good. Um, And in the past couple of weeks, we've been reading about a woman called Jackie Pullinger. Um, Some of you might have known her name, you might have read her her book, um, but that's kind of what we've been looking at, her story. Um, So she is a missionary who went off to Hong Kong, and specifically she was in a place called the Walled City. And in this place, uh, there were really high rates of poverty, of crime, and drug addiction, all kind of interlinked uh, with each other, all those different issues. Uh, And so she was trying to um, help the people there, specifically the boys and the men who are addicted to drugs. And what I found so interesting in the past week is that as we're reading it, people were coming up to her and asking her for help. 
And each time in this book as we're reading it, it says that she points them and tells them who God is and that he is their help. So she is helping these people. They're being freed from the addiction of drugs. They go tell other people, um, different leaders, different gangs come actually uh, and ask for her help. But each time, she doesn't take the glory for herself. Yes, she prays for them um, and she encourages them, but she points them to who God is. Um, And I just, yeah, I just thought it was so interesting and so amazing that that is what she wanted to do, that when people were crying for help, her immediate response is to tell them about God and that he is their helper. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that we should avoid professionals or anything like that because they are so needed, and I would definitely recommend that, of course. But let's not neglect to also realize that God is our help too, and that we can point people and make sure that they know that God is their helper. So the question is, could we be like the psalmist or the friends of the psalmist or like Jackie? And when others cry out for help, could we say that God is our helper too? That is our source. And that is the truth that we have. So possibly in this psalm, it was the people around the psalmist saying this, but maybe also it was the psalmist speaking out to themselves or out over themselves, speaking truth. So we look to the dangers of the known and the unknown of our lives. Let's not let our imaginations write the narrative. We don't want to stay in the anxious thoughts, but we need to hold them against the truth. We, and I'm talking especially to myself here, need to ask the question, is it my imagination coming to a false conclusion, or is there some truth to look at instead? If you know me, or if you don't, um, here's a confession, this is get you a bit of an insight into my brain, the way it works. Um, I'm over-imaginative. I have an overthinking tendency, uh, paired with the fact that I'm definitely a pathological people pleaser. Um, So it's great fun up in here, um, and all the anxious thoughts are, yeah, running wild, especially when it comes to different things. And I am far too quick at painting a false narrative when it comes to different situations. Um, Too easily kind of um, picking apart things or, yeah, coming to my own conclusion about um, different situations. Thoughts like, yeah, but they're not actually your friends. Sure, they just invite you because they invite everybody else. Or, well, they only ask you to do that so they could tick a box or blah, blah, blah. Maybe you have the same kind of thoughts like me too. And I say that not so I can get a free counseling session right now and sort of splurt it out at you. Um, I say it because maybe you have that kind of tendency too. Maybe you have those thoughts as well. And sometimes they can come at different points in our life, can't they? Um, and they can kind of just go a little bit mad as they spiral uh, into all those false conclusions, false narratives. But one thing that I am trying to be better at and trying to teach myself to do is to stop and to pause and think about, well, what actually is the truth there? Because that's not fair for me to spiral out, not fair on the other people, because I've made up conclusions about what they're doing or what they've said. Um, So for me, some of the things that I find really helpful are to kind of ask and say, well, what is the truth? Seek out what is actually the truth in that situation. So it could be asking someone, okay, well, why... Why did you say that, or why, why, what, why did that happen? Um, it might be a bit annoying and a bit awkward, but it kind of gives me the truth and that I can hold up against and say, this is what I imagined was happening, but actually this is the truth. 
And even better than just asking the people around us, is looking for scripture to hold up against it. So when those worries or those anxieties come along, I can look and see, actually, this is what God says. This is who he says I am. And this is who he says that he is. And so speaking those out and continually saying out that scripture and that truth helps to quiet those lies and those fears that can kind of run in our minds. And maybe that's what the psalmist is trying to do here. They have this worry or this anxiety, but instead they can hold up the truth and they can say, well, actually, this is true about who God is. And that will silence any of the doubts and the fears that they have. So let's have a wee look at these two verses and see what are some of the truths that the psalmist and that we are able to hold up against what is happening in our lives. So it says here that God will never sleep or slumber in verse, um, the start of verse three. Those two words kind of sound very similar, don't they? Sleep and slumber. Um, and maybe it's different in your translation, I'm not too sure. But the Hebrew words uh, kind of mean like a light sleep and then like a deeper sleep. So it's kind of covering all bases of whatever type of sleep that you could imagine, God is not doing that. It's not that we have to wake God up because um, he's asleep or try and get his attention or to get us to notice what is happening in our lives. And it kind of reminded me of a story uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18 from about sort of verse 16 onwards. We have the prophet Elijah, uh, and he wants the people to make a decision about who are they going to worship. Are they going to worship the one true God, or are they going to worship all these other false gods that they um, have? So he asked the prophets of the false gods, okay, I want you to set up your altars, and I'm going to set up mine for um, the Lord. We're going to call on the name of our gods and see whoever will answer first, um, and then that will be the God that we will actually worship. So the prophets of the false gods call out from morning to noon to their gods, and they get no answer. And in verse 27, Elijah says this, Shout louder, surely he is a god. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Elijah saying, maybe these gods are asleep. They're not actually paying attention to you. They're so busy, they can't actually hear you. But that's not like our gods at all. When we look at scripture, we can hold up the truth and see that God hears every one of our cries. Remember back in the book of Exodus and God heard the cries of his people in slavery in Egypt. In Psalm 58 verse eight, or 56 verse 8, sorry, he says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God is attentive to each of us. He is not asleep. He's not noticing. He knows us intimately. And he's not asleep to what is happening in each of our lives. For those writing and, and singing the Psalms on uh, their pilgrimage, I'm sure they were getting really weary and really tired and exhausted. And as they're walking through this pilgrimage, God is there in his provision. They might get weary on the journey. We might get weary on our journey, but God doesn't. Thinking of your own journey where you are at the moment in life. There may be things that are making you tired and a bit weary and exhausted. You find it difficult to hold on to hope in certain situations. 
Does it feel like your cries aren't being heard? Well, we can hold up this truth instead. We can say, God is not asleep. He is not ignoring you. He knows your pain. He hears your cries. And we have a God who is listening to us. So we can speak that truth out over ourselves and over others. Maybe that's what you could do this week for someone, is speak out that truth over them. Or maybe if it's you, how could you maybe speak it out over yourself this week? Okay, let's have a look at verse 5 and 6. It says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. So there's a a verb in Hebrew that keeps being repeated here in this psalm about six times. Um, And it's kind of translated in two different ways in this translation. So it's um, as to keep or to watch over. Uh, You might have something different if you're reading a different translation. Um, And it's not that the psalmist kind of ran out of words and thought, okay, well, I just really like this word. I'm going to keep using it. Um, No, in the Bible, when we see things being repeated multiple times, it means that we actually need to pay attention to it. It's really important, so we want to make sure that we are listening to that and paying attention. So let's do that for this next little bit. So if we take the word, you know, watching or watching over, sometimes it can have quite like a passive connotation, um, like watching a film or watching a sport. kind of feels a little bit distant, like the action's way over there, but I'm over here and I can't quite engage with it or change what's happening or be a part of it. However, when we uh, read here that we've got a God who watches over us, I don't think it's meant to be passive, especially when we start to read verse 5 and 6. We see that God is actively watching over and then providing protection. He is attentive to what we need, and he is protector, whether it's in sunlight or in moonlight. And as the sun moves throughout the day, so God also moves alongside us with his protection like a constant companion. It is a beautiful, powerful picture of intimacy. Knowing us at every step and knowing us in every part of our life. And in these verses, we're reminded that God provides protection from the hot sun, just like on days like this, um, all the way to the dangers of uh, the moonlight. I mean, if we were to stand outside today uh, with no sun cream right in the middle of the midday, that's going to damage us. That's going to hurt us, isn't it? There's dangers there. Likewise, if we were to stand out in the middle of the night in the street, there might be dangers there. That's not maybe the best thing to do. But yet we have a God here who sees that and protects us from both those circumstances. Also kind of reminds us of that idea of having shade. Um, or hiding under the shade of God, which we see a couple of times throughout the Bible. Like the shade, um, hiding under the shade of the wings of a bird. Maybe that reminds you of things of like shelter, reassurance. And that's exactly what we can do. We can hide under um, his wings of shelter when there's dangers, when there's disappointments and discomfort. And it's available to us at all times of the day, in all seasons. So the dangers of this life can be unexpected and unknown, but the safety and security is certain. 
We can put our confidence in God. We have this divine companion with us on the journey of life. And at our right hand, like a constant loyal friend. Maybe you could even look back in your own life and think about times when God has been with you. Reflecting back can bring us the encouragement that we need for the present and also for the future. And maybe that's something that you can maybe do later on this week, writing down the different ways that God has been your constant companion, providing that shade in the sunlight and the moonlight. And then we have verses 7 and 8. It says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And there's that important verb again, appearing three times in these verses of watching and keeping. We see that God is our keeper, protector, with us in all circumstances. Day or night, he sees us and he is with us. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is reading um, stories in Genesis. And in particular, I'm just sort of thinking of Genesis 16 and 21, that feature woman named Hagar. You might be familiar with the story, but just a quick little recap. We have husband and wife, Abraham and Sarah. They've been promised by God that they will have a son. And in fact, they're going to have so many descendants and we'll be able to count them like the stars in the sky. This promise isn't fulfilled straight away. And so Sarah gets impatient, she gets restless, and she thinks about how she can actually maybe change it uh, and make it come about a little bit quicker. So she suggests to Abraham that he needs to sleep with her um, Egyptian slave, Hagar, in order for them to have a son. But shortly after this suggestion, Sarah mistreats her, and so Hagar flees out into the desert. She's in distress, But in chapter 16, verse 7, when she's out there on her own, in distress, it says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. The angel of the Lord found her. And she's so moved by this experience that she cries out, you're the God who sees me. And that becomes the first instance when we have um, in the Bible of someone actually giving God a name. And then again, in Genesis 21, Hagar is sent away with her son out into the desert in distress, in despair. And again, the angel of the Lord calls out to her. When she was in despair, God saw her and was with her. She was not on her own in both those circumstances. So it wasn't just a one-time occurrence. And how encouraging is that for us that God's care is ongoing throughout our whole life, not limited to one time or one occasion, but in all our comings and goings. Verse 7, I will admit, is quite difficult when we read it, isn't it? Especially when we look at our own lives, the lives of our loved ones. It's kind of hard to, yeah, kind of rest with the Lord will keep you from all harm. How do we kind of look at that? Well, I also find it very difficult to, uh, to look at, so I chose some very smart, intelligent people to kind of see what they thought about this particular verse. So 
one of the very smart, intelligent people, uh, was N.T. Wright, um, and he says this. The only thing to do is to hold the spectacular promises in one hand and the messy reality in the other, and praise God anyway. A kind of reminder, and you've probably heard it before, of living in that tension of the now and not yet. Living in between Christ's first and second coming. And it's quite difficult to kind of understand, isn't it? And part of us wants to say we don't understand. But we live here, we live in the here and now. But we know that one day there'll be full restoration and full healing. We have this promise that one day, if we believe and we trust in Jesus, there'll be a place where there's no harm, no tears, no death, no sadness. But we will still continue to praise God, knowing that in the future, there'll be that place where there is no harm. Another very intelligent person, uh, Eugene Peterson, um, wrote this about this particular psalm and this particular verse. He says, the promise of the psalm, and both Hebrews and Christians have always read it in this way, is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, we'll be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. Let me read the last little part of that um, again. No injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. Reminds us of Romans 8, doesn't it? Verses 38 to 39. That promise. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God as in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is a hope and a truth that we can definitely hold on to. So as we've come to sort of the end of verse um, 7 and 8, kind of goes full circle back up to verse 1 again. The question, where does my help come from? And then the answer in verse 8 The Lord, he will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This journey of life that we are all on, it is not easy. There are dangers and uncertainty along the way. But this psalm points us very confidently to the one who is our helper, our keeper, our constant companion. We are not alone as we face the trials and challenges of our life. We see that God is all-powerful to create the heavens and the earth. And yet he's also intimately close to us and knows us. Seems like two impossible things to kind of hold at the same time. And yet that's what it is. Our God, who is creator and maker, and also cares so deeply for us. Not far and distant, but close by us. What a confidence we can have to know that the God who is creator is also with us and is protecting, watching over us both now and forevermore. As we kind of start to close this part, I'm going to give you some maybe practical things to do some homeworks um, as you go. 
maybe one of these will kind of stand out to you, or maybe it'll be all of them, who knows, but maybe you could take just one and think about your week ahead. So is it that you are looking up scared of the problems that you see around you? Do you maybe need to step back and zoom out a little bit and instead focus on God and how powerful he is? Maybe you know someone who is struggling or who needs help. How could you be that friend that speaks out truth over them? Maybe it's yourself in your own mind. What truths do you want to speak out over yourself? We spend some time in scripture this week. Which one specifically do you need to just hold on to? Or maybe it's actually taking time in prayer and maybe, for example, prayer ministry and asking that God would just give you that peace that comes from knowing that he is right there with you. He sees you. He knows what is happening in your life. And maybe that's the practical thing that you could maybe do. I'm going to ask the band to come up now, Michael and the guys. And just as we finish, I want to read this psalm again and just leave some space for God to be speaking to you. So if you want to close your eyes, I'm just going to very slowly read this psalm again. Listen out for the words that really stand out to you and the pictures. What is God bringing to your mind? What is the Spirit prompting you in right now? So let's close our eyes and and just focus on this psalm. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen.